church? I, I believe every word of that song. When I look at my life, I can see the goodness of God came running after me. Uh, I can see that there were times in my life that uh, I was off track and God's goodness came running after me. Uh, I didn't hunt God down. God hunted me down. When I think about the goodness of God running after me, I, I hear the Holy Spirit whisper to me, if God's goodness has come running after you, then your goodness ought to go running after some other people too. This should not be a one-way street, right? God's goodness comes running after me. My goodness should go running after some other people. And this year we've chosen uh, for our goodness to go running after an orphanage in Uganda. And uh, we, are, we are within $11,000 of our goal. And if, if, uh, if you're able to help, it will, it will make all the difference in the world. Uh, we're getting things worked out where we can ship things to them and uh, guarantee that it'll be delivered. And uh, uh, we're going to have a strategy that uh, for the next 20 months, we're going to do something to help that orphanage every single month. And the money's coming in through uh, Prime the Pump. So if you can, let your goodness go running after some orphans. And let's see how uh, God uses us to change their lives. Could we do that together? Our dear Heavenly Father, uh, in, your, in your great providence, you created families and asked us to figure out how to have family grit so that our families can be genuine places of beauty and strength. And I pray this morning that... Uh, I could speak about the family in a kind of way that your spirit could make us better people. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All my life I've heard that uh, twins have a special connection, that uh, they know what each other's thinking, and uh, I actually saw a program once where these two twins were separated at birth, and neither one of them knew they had a twin. Well, later on in life, they met each other, and it turns out they, their husbands looked alike, they wore the same kind of clothes, uh, they, they had all these things in common, and they didn't even know each other. Uh, but there are some twins in the Bible that break that mold. Uh, these, these twins, uh, they didn't think each other's thoughts. In fact, they thought about as opposite as you can think. They were not alike in any way. Uh, they would rather die and go to hell than wear the same clothes. Uh, these two twins, they did not like each other. Uh, they were the sons of uh, Isaac and Rebekah. 
And uh, the Bible says that uh, when these boys were born, Esau was born first. And it describes him as red and hairy. I'll just read you what it says. The first came out, all his body like a hairy cloak. Uh, A hairy little dude going on here. (laughs) And uh, as he was being born, his twin brother Jacob reached out and grabbed him by the leg. And and it's like he was saying, you're not going anywhere without me. And and they were born together. And uh, Jacob was um, dark-haired and smooth. Uh, From the very first, these boys were very, very different. But they also grew up to be very different kinds of men. Esau grew up to be a skillful hunter and a man of the field. Esau was the kind of guy who didn't want to sit at home. He was always out doing something, always out on another adventure, always going on another hunting trip. Jacob was very different. Jacob was a quiet man, and he liked living in the tent city. That suited him just fine. Ah. But the big difference between these boys was the idea of the birthright. In the Old Testament, uh, when people lived in clans, the birthright is what gave the next generation the right to be the head of the clan. Whoever Whoever the patriarch gave the birthright to, they were the head of the clan when the patriarch uh, uh, died. Uh, the, the, the birthright should have gone to Esau. He was the oldest brother. But it turns out Esau despised the birthright. When he looked at his future, it was a nightmare to him to have to be the one who was the patriarch of the family. He wanted to live wild and free. He wanted to be gone. Uh, he wanted to go on hunting trips, and he wanted to explore new places. And having to be the patriarch of the family was a nightmare to him. But for Jacob, it was just the opposite. There wasn't anything he wanted more in the world than the birthright to be the next patriarch of the family clan. Uh, in families, we have to acknowledge that uh, God makes us very different. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to talk some today to parents who still have children. Uh, I, I raised five children. Uh, uh, and all five of them were different. Uh, some people say to me, I treat my kids all the same. You can't treat your kids all the same. They're not the same. What really, really works for one child doesn't work for another child. What's encouraging to one child may not be encouraging to another child. So what good parents do is they start figuring out what kind of person is this child 
and how can I help them grow into their full potential? Do you see? Instead of saying, uh, Dad say, I want, my, I want my sons to play these two sports, uh, and, and then they just, they, they do everything they can to force their kids to play those sports, and their kids really want to learn how to play the guitar and not baseball, okay? The very worst thing we can do as parents is impose our expectations on what our kids should like and, and, and grow up to do. It's our job to help them figure out who they are and then grow into that full potential. It isn't our job to try to coerce them into doing something that we think is uh, ideal. Can you hear that? All right. It's harder than just treating all your kids the same, but it creates a better family. Do you understand that? It creates a better family when you start paying attention. This is the kind of person my child is, and I want to do everything I can to help them grow into their full potential. Instead of saying, I insist that my child be this and do this and grow up to be this. All right. There's a second uh, uh, issue here in, in this family that, uh, that created um, uh, tension. And that was, um, uh, in every family, uh, there are personalities that are more alike, and there are personalities that are more different. So if you ever met my son, you would know that he's got a personality a whole lot like uh, Shay, my wife. The two of them are alike in a lot of ways, okay. Uh, uh, in every family, uh, there are family members that are more alike, and there are family members that are more different, okay. That's just normal, all right. Uh, uh, it's easier for some family members to get along with some family members than it is to get along with other family members. Uh, that's not wrong. It's just the reality of being human beings, right? Um, uh, all right. But it requires family grit to deal with the differences and the similarities. Now, I want to explain what family grit is. Family grit is unconditional love, especially when it's hard. When I talk about family grit today, I'm saying unconditional love, especially when it's hard. All right, now please don't misunderstand me. Uh, I'm not saying unconditional uh, agreement. I I'm not saying that uh, family grit is, uh, we, we have to unconditionally agree about everything. That's not what family grit is. Family grit is we figure out how to love and treat each other right, even when we don't agree church. Family grit says, I don't have to agree with you to love you and respect you and want what's best for you. All right. In, 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 in uh, Isaac and Rebecca's family, uh, Isaac was closer to Esau and Rebecca was closer to Jacob. Uh, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that they loved one child more than the other. It just meant they had more in common. It was just easier for them to get along together. All right. Um, and the boys grew up. 
And uh, Esau got wilder and wilder and was gone longer and longer times. And uh, uh, one day, uh, Esau had been out on a long hunting trip. And he came home and he was hungry. And it just so happened that that day, Jacob, who liked to cook, was running his grill outside and uh, he was making a new recipe. He was cooking some kind of fancy stew. And Esau smelled that stew cooking. And it made him even more hungry. So we went over to where Jacob was and he said, uh, could I have a bowl of that stew? And Jacob said, smells good, doesn't it? <laughs> he said, I got some homemade bread here, too. It's going to go perfectly with that. I got a little chilled wine. How hungry are you? And Esau said, quit messing around. Give me some stew. And Jacob said, I'll give you the whole pot if you sell me your birthright. And the book of Genesis says, that day changed that family forever because Esau despised his birthright and he sold it for one lunch. He sold the right to be the patriarch for one lunch. The birthright also meant that you got a double portion of your father's inheritance. So there were only two sons. That meant when Isaac died, Jacob got two-thirds and Esau got one-third. And on that day, uh, they both reset the direction of their life. Uh, 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 it's surprising how such small things can have such a profound effect on our future. Church, uh, in our families, we, we just have to be, pay closer attention. Uh, I've known people who ended up resenting their family all their life because of one bad day. Uh, uh, in our lives, uh, we have to be aware that sometimes a lot hinges on a very small thing, especially in our families. So the boys grew up, and, and uh, um, Esau was out on his adventures, and on his adventures, he ended up meeting two Hittite women, and, and he married them both. And it just broke his mother's heart. Uh, his, mother, uh, his mother said, uh, if, it's like my life has been wasted because my son married pagan women. Uh, do you know in every family there, there's disappointment? And we have to be ready to deal with disappointment in a healthy way. If you think you're the only person here whose family has disappointed them, you're wrong. Look at all the people in this room. Everybody in this room has been disappointed at some time by their family. 
Now, some of you are like me. We've disappointed our families a whole lot more than they disappointed us. Uh, but that's another sermon. All right. Uh, everybody in this room has had a family disappointment. It's human nature. It, okay. It's how the family deals with disappointment. Family grit says... We can handle disappointment in a healthy way. We can handle disappointment in the kind of way that our family stays healthy and, and, and we don't end up being mean to each other out of a disappointment. Church? Uh, 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 Esau broke his mother's heart, but she didn't stop being his mother because she, he broke her heart. Can you hear this, church? It, 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 some of you say, my children have done this. And, and Okay, I understand that. And, and, and I'm asking you, this is the time to grow some family grit. It simply says, my family can disappoint me, but it doesn't change my opinion about them. My family can disappoint me, but it doesn't change how much I love them. My family can disappoint me, but I'm still going to be a, 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 a reliable, a, a, a affirming a, a influence in their life. Um, and then the boys kept growing, and uh, they became men. And uh, one day, uh, Isaac said to his son Esau, uh, I know you sold the birthright to your brother. And I know my patriarchal blessing ought to go to the one who has the birthright. But I'm going to bless you instead. I want you to go out and hunt and take a deer. I want you to fix that venison exactly the way you know I like it. And then I'm going to eat that big dinner. And my heart will be happy. And I'll bless you. Uh, uh, Rebecca heard Isaac say that to Esau. And she called Jacob to her tent, and she said, your father wants to bless Esau, but I'm going to make sure he blesses you. And she made, from goat, she made the dish that she knew Isaac liked, and she knew exactly how to make it. And then, and then, I don't have enough time to tell the whole story, but then they tricked Isaac, because he was blind, into thinking he was blessing Esau when he blessed Jacob. Uh, 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 um, uh, Jacob knelt in front of his uh, father, and his father thought he was blessing Esau, and this is the blessing he gave him. May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And when Isaac had finished the blessing, Jacob got out 
and went and told his mother everything that happened. Well, Esau came home. Esau made his dad a big dinner. Esau took the big dinner into his dad's tent. He said, I've made you dinner, and I want you to eat it now and bless me. And he goes, well, who are you? He said, I'm your son Esau. And he said, I already ate your dinner, and I already blessed you. And he said, no, you didn't. And then it dawned on Isaac that his wife and his son had tricked him. And then something very, very sad happened. Esau, this guy, if you saw him, would think he was hard-hearted and didn't care. He said to his dad, bless me too. And his dad said, well, I, I gave all the blessings to your brother. And Esau said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Esau's father said, I made your brother. I gave your brother the fatness of the earth and, and I gave him the dew of heaven. Uh, I blessed him with every blessing. And Esau broke down and he said, bless even me also my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. There's a family principle here. Uh, as families, we have to have an inclination to bless each other. I'm just going to talk to dads and moms for a minute. Uh, have you ever blessed your children? Okay, we are quick to criticize. We're quick to, we're quick to point out the things we don't like. Uh, we're quick to express our expectations. But have you ever blessed your kids? I know this is true. People talk to me after the last service. There are many people who have not one memory of their, their dad or mom ever blessing them. What would that look like? It would look something like this. Dad, you just might put your hand on your child's shoulder. And you just might say, uh, I believe you're going to accomplish good things with your life. I believe you have God-given potential. It might sound something like this. I saw how nice you were to your mom, and I bless you for it. I saw what you did for your sister, and I bless you for it. I pray that God would bless you for that. It is, listen, it is a simple act, but it has incredible power for binding families together. It does just the opposite of what happens when we criticize each other too much. Mom, it might go something like this. Your kid's having a bad morning. 
They don't want to go to school. They're, they're, they're complaining, and they won't want to get on the bus, and they say the teacher's mean to them, and, and they, 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 they don't have any fun. You pick that little one up, you set them down on your lap, you wrap their arms around them, and you say, I bless you at school today. I bless you with a fun trip there. I bless you with all your friends having a good day and, and people being nice to you. I bless you with the teacher treating you in a special way today. Uh, I bless you and, and ask God that you could have the most beautiful day at school you've ever had. Now, what do you think the difference in that child is if, if you do that and you say, stop yelling, I'm tired of fussing with you, go get your stuff and get on the bus? Church? Ah, ah. Spouses, bless each other. Bless each other. Uh, if, if, if you're uncomfortable... Say a prayer of blessing. Uh, okay. The human soul thrives on being blessed. If there's any place in the world that you should get a blessing, it should be in the family. And somebody's got to get it started. Ah. Uh, uh, whether you were ever blessed in your life or not, it doesn't mean that you can't start something fresh and beautiful and bonding in your family by beginning to bless the people around you. Even hard-hearted, rough-neck Esau, his heart ached for his father to say a blessing on him. Church. There was a, a new dynamic at home now because Isaac knew Rebecca and Jacob conspired to deceive him. You know, deception in the family is a bad thing. Do you hear this? Uh, being deceptive in your family is an unhealthy thing. Now, please don't misunderstand this. Uh, uh, you don't have to tell your wife every stupid thing you've ever done. I mean, uh, man up a little bit and live with your own guilt. Uh, uh, you don't have to... Okay. But there are some things that you'll ruin your marriage if you don't tell. Church, deception in the family is a bad thing and it takes family grit to be honest it takes family grit to say uh, this is this, this, this is important to our family and it's got to be on the table alright the second thing is here uh, we have to fight against family resentments you see uh, when Jacob and Rebekah deceived Isaac, it, it, it hurt him, it disappointed him. But it made, it made Esau resentful. It filled him with angry resentment. Uh, it filled him with such angry resentment that Esau said in front of everybody, when my dad dies, after the funeral, the first thing I'm going to do is kill Jacob. 
That's how deep his resentment was. He resented what happened so badly that his first act after his father's funeral was going to be to kill his twin brother. Uh, if you have family resentment, I, I, I want to make three suggestions to you. Would, would, would you consider them? Begin to deal with your resentment by loving more and arguing less. If being angry and arguing fixed resentment, there would be no resentment left in the world. We would have burned it out. But that's not what fixes resentment. What fixes resentment is loving more and making your opinion uh, uh, less valuable than the person that you should be loving. Um, could I remind you, family, you don't gain anything by winning an argument and losing love. Can you hear this? You won your argument. You pounded on the table, you shouted your political opinion, you beat everybody down, but everybody feels isolated from you. They feel uncomfortable around you. Yep, you won your argument, but you lost love. Can you hear me, church? Church? Uh, if we're going to reduce resentment in our families, uh, we, have to, uh, we, we have to put our relationships ahead of our opinions. Remember, remember, family grit doesn't mean we agree about everything. It means we love each other even when we disagree. Church. Um, we really begin to banish resentment uh, when we love this person in our family more than we care about uh, proving we're right. Church, uh, we begin to, we begin to uh, remove resentment when people feel like we love them more than we are proud of being right. We, 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 it, we strengthen resentment when people get the feeling that we would rather be right than have a good relationship with them. Church? And Esau was full of resentment. He played it over in his mind again and again. He cheated me. He cheated me. He scammed me with that lunch for the birthright, and he downright lied and cheated me out of the blessing. And he played that ugly thought in his mind again and again until there wasn't room for anything else. Church, some of you know what that's like, don't you? Some of you know what that's like. Some of you have been in families where that was a dominant characteristic. Here's what I'm telling you. In family life, it takes grit 
to overcome resentments, but it's worth every bit of it in the end. And now Rebecca had to do something because she knew Esau meant what he said. Esau was a hard man and he knew how to use weapons and she had no doubt that he was a lot tougher than Jacob and could kill him easily. So she went to talk to Isaac and she said to Isaac, if Jacob marries a pagan woman and has pagan children, my life will have been wasted. I want you to send Jacob to my brother Laban in Haran and see if he can't find a wife among uh, the believers in the true God. Isaac called Jacob in, shared the plan with him. Jacob packed some stuff up and headed north for Haran. And now the family's in shreds. Esau's always gone off somewhere doing his own thing. Uh, Isaac and Rebekah have unresolved issues because Rebekah uh, uh, deceived him and, and uh, on purpose plotted against him. And now uh, Jacob, he's gone on his way to Haran and the family is torn to pieces. You would think this would be, uh, the, uh, all of this would be uh, uh, beyond help. But while Jacob was going to Haran, he fell asleep one night and he had a vision. He had a dream. And in his dream, he dreamed that he saw, I'm, I'm going to say escalators, because in my imagination they're escalators. He saw an escalator going up and an escalator coming down. And there were angels riding on the escalator going up, and there were angels riding on the escalator going down. And the Lord stood above it and said, I am the God of Abraham your father and of Isaac. On the land which you lie, I will give you and your offspring. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done all that I have promised. Then Jacob woke from his dream and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! There is none, uh, uh, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I find it very interesting that Jacob never really came, came to know God personally till the middle of this family disaster. It was like God was going to use this family disaster to get Jacob's heart in a place where it needed to be. And when he got his heart in that open place, God was able to show himself to Jacob. Is it possible, is it pro possible that some of the family problems you might be having right now, they are God at work 
to get your heart into the very place that it needs to be so that he can reveal himself to you as the good, loving, heavenly father. He wants you to know him. Is it possible? Is it possible that the heartbreaks you've had in your family are going to be used by God providentially to make you into a person you could have never been otherwise? Is it possible that in your family God is working in you in ways that he can't work in any other way and that the thing that you feel like is irreparable, God is going to be able to do something to make you a better person through it all? God blessed Jacob when he least deserved a blessing. Can you hear this? We bless others the way God blessed us. And when Jacob least deserved a blessing, God shows up and he says, here's my blessing for you, church. Is it possible that in the middle of the difficulty and the heartbreak you're in in your family, God has a remarkable blessing for you? It's just, he's just waiting for your heart to be open and receptive to him. Uh, Jacob spent 21 years in, uh, in Haran. In that 21 years, he married two sisters and he got two concubines. He had four wives. And from those four wives, he had 13 kids. Uh, and Jacob's family was a bigger mess than his dad's family. Uh, uh, if you were here uh, Thursday, you heard Sarah tell... Uh, the story of Jacob and his son Joseph. Uh, at the end of that 21 years, God said to, uh, uh, God said to uh, Jacob, go home. Jacob called his wives, said, God's leading me to go home. His wife said, we're, we're going with you. Uh, Jacob packed up all his stuff and headed south, back to uh, his father's tent city. And when he got close, a messenger came to him and said, your brother Esau is on his way to meet you. And he's got 400 of the ugliest, meanest men I've ever seen. Can you imagine how uh, uh, Jacob's stomach collapsed when he heard that? This is the guy that says, I'm going to kill you someday. And now he's showing up with 400 of, of, of uh, Esau's uh, militia. I have the idea that uh, Esau and his 400 men were uh, mercenaries. And they sold themselves out to, to local uh, power brokers. And he's on his way to meet Jacob. Uh, Jacob divided his family in half. He said, if they attack one half, the other half can run away. Uh, so he said, at least I can save half my family. Well, that night, jo uh, 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 Jacob couldn't sleep. I, I don't blame him, could you? He, was, he knew he would meet his brother the next day, and that night he could not sleep, and he was up walking around. I'm certain he was going over in his head, uh, if Esau does this, I'll do this. 
uh, I'll try to do this. Uh, I, I, I'll try to uh, try to read. Uh, his, okay, I'm sure he was hyper planning in his head. And the book of Genesis says that while he was walking around that night and planning, he saw the angel of the Lord. And he did the most bizarre thing you can imagine. Uh, wrestlers, he took him down. Non-wrestlers, he jumped on him and took him down to the ground. This is the angel of the Lord. And now he's going for riding time. He won't let him go. He's got, he's got, him, in a, a, he's got him in a tight waist ride, and he won't let him go. He's arm-barring him around the ground. And the angel of the Lord said, okay, let me go. And Jacob said, I won't let you go unless you bless me. The angel of the Lord said, let me go. And he said, I won't let you go unless you bless me. So finally, the angel of the Lord touched his hip, and the socket shrunk. And uh, Jacob limped the rest of his life. But then the angel of the Lord said, I am going to bless you. Your name is Jacob. You've been a cheater your whole life. I'm changing your name from Jacob to Israel, Prince of God. Church, in this holy moment, Jacob said, the thing I need more than anything else before I face my brother is I need a divine blessing. And God gave him that blessing. Hey, the next time you think you're going to have family problems, before you wade into the family problem, how about taking a minute and whispering a prayer and saying, God, please bless me so I can be part of the solution in this family problem and not make things worse. Church, how do you think that conversation might go if you said, God, please bless me enough that I can be a blessing instead of perpetuating this family problem? Church, the next day, everybody got up. Jacob started sending out gifts. Uh, you can read about it. Uh, he, uh, he sent out some camels and some uh, uh, sheep and some donkeys. And, and uh, he would wait uh, 15 minutes and he would send out another gift. And, he, and, and so these gifts were meeting his brother Esau as his brother came to meet him. And when they finally saw each other, uh, Jacob humbled himself and he bowed down to the ground. And his brother Esau came running up to him, picked him up off the ground, wrapped his arms around him, and hugged him, and they wept on each other's neck. Church. Because God is greater than family problems. A family that no one ever predicted would be reconciled. A family that everybody thought was so broken, nothing good could come of it. A divine blessing brought reconciliation to that family. And where there had been resentment, there was forgiveness. Where there had been disappointment, there was love. And God, by his great grace, made that family whole. And I'm saying to you this morning, who, who are, uh, 
feel the brokenness of family. You feel the disappointment. You struggle with resentment. The very same God who healed uh, Esau and Jacob's family, he can heal your family. The very same God who was able to do more than anybody could expect, he's able to do more than anybody can expect in your family. And I'm telling you, you could be the one that he uses to make things start getting better. But it takes family grit. It's not easy. You got to give your best self. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these examples in the Bible. Thank you that you've left us uh, these examples and we can learn from them. I pray for myself and I pray for every family uh, in this room and watching online. I pray that you would begin to work in us and we would have family grit. We would love each other unconditionally. We would begin to treat each other with kindness, goodness, and respect. We would learn how to bless each other in ways that strengthen the family. Then I pray that we would have families that would glorify your name. In Christ's name, amen.